Is that my credit card? Uh, yeah. What are you really doing? The fun drive. The fun drive? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's time for KUCI's fun drive, taking place November 2nd through the 16th. Uh-huh. It's a time we ask all our loyal listeners to donate to the station in order to support us. and allows us to keep doing what we do to keep KUCI on the air. Tell them the number. Oh, okay. Here's the number to call. 949-824-5824. Call now. That's right. Call now because we have people standing by to take your calls. Hey, wait a minute. Is that a vintage KUCI t-shirt you're wearing? Uh-huh. Oh, you must have gotten that because you called in to make a donation. We do have a large number of vintage KUCI t-shirts waiting for everyone to wear. They just have to call in and make a donation. We take minimum donations of at least $35, and then people can get some kind of thank you gift. But we really accept donations of any size. So about that shirt, can I borrow that sometime? Uh-uh. Oh, thanks a lot. So call 949-824-5824. Support KUCI's Fun Drive taking place November 2nd. Through the 16th. You can donate online at www.kuci.org or call in to 949-824-5824. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Do you know how to keep your loved ones safe from the threat of drugs? Spot warning signs, where to go counseling or treatment? The Effect, a recovery community based in San Juan Capistrano, is launching a monthly series of forums called First Fridays. These gather the awareness, information, and resources needed to help families treat the substance abuse issues they're facing or to prevent them from occurring. On the first Friday of each month at 7 p.m., meet addiction professionals, law enforcement reps, political advocates, experienced parents, and addicts to get the information and resources you need. For more information, go to www.theeffect.org or call 949-293-4259. Across the nation, people are stepping up for their mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, partners, sisters, and brothers. They're leading the way and walking to end Alzheimer's, the sixth leading cause of death in the nation. Together, we can reclaim the future. Walk to end Alzheimer's. Start a team. Join a team. Go to ALZ.org. Hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and we are right in the middle of our fun drive. Today is our very first day, and I want to tell you a little bit about it before we're joined by my very special guest. Well, twice a year, we ask for your support. We are a team of volunteers. I don't know if a lot of you know this, but we do this out of the love for radio. We, we're we not paid to do this. We just love coming in here. We offer you the very best in music and public affairs programming We have live bands. We give tickets away throughout the year. And we just love being a part of the station. We're a KUCI family. And this time of year, we ask for you to support our station in various ways. We have different pledge amounts from a minimum of $35 up to a couple hundred dollars. And there are various things that you can get for your donations. And let's see, I've got a list of them here. At a level of $35, you can choose a KUCI t-shirt or a CD or an item listed with a minimum $35 donation. And we have a whole list of items, and we have people standing by to take your calls, and they will tell you more about it. Uh, The number to call, by the way, is 949-824-5824. 
And again, we have people standing by. It is the time of year we ask for you to show your love, some support for KUCI to keep us on the air because we love doing what we're doing. We really enjoy providing you with this kind of programming. Again, music, public affairs. And if you're not familiar, you can always visit our schedule. It's www.kuci.org. So again, the minimum pledge amount is $35. You can be a KUCI supporter at that level. Next level is a $50 pledge. You can be a KUCI sustainer. And at this level, you can choose two KUCI t-shirts. I know we have some vintage ones available. We've got some CDs. You can choose one of each. Again, that's a minimum $50 donation. And this is all tax deductible, by the way. For a $100 pledge, you can be a KUCI sustainer. You can receive any combo of four items. So t-shirts, CDs, or items listed as minimum $100 donation. And for a $200 pledge, you can be a KUCI founder and receive any combo of eight items. That's t-shirts, CDs, or any items listed as minimum $200 donations. We do take donations of any amount, by the way. Uh, but we would love your support at the $35 pledge level, which is a KUCI supporter. And again, you can give us a call at 949-824-5824. We are standing by to take your calls. You can also make your donations online at www.kci.org. And we, uh, you can do it by PayPal, check. Uh, again, you can call up and say hi to some of our KUCI staff members that are here manning the phones this morning. All right, it's time to get started with Get the Funk Out. And I am joined by special guest, Industry Rajan. She is the creator and director of Project Satori, a nonprofit committed to the mental health and trauma care of abused women and children with a special focus on sex trafficking survivors. So it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Industry. Oh, thank you. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thanks for your patience. It's like I said, it's our, you know, we do our fun drive a couple times a year and uh, it's a very exciting time. We have a lot of our staff members here taking calls, so uh, we should have a lot of uh, different things going on, so you'll have to excuse me. During the show, we're going to talk about the fun drive, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you as well. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me on your show. I, I look forward to it as well. So. Well, I, I heard about you through a friend of mine, and I wanted to have you share with the listeners your background. Yeah, well, um, I, um, I was born and brought up in the U.S. Uh, my family is of South Indian origin, but my parents and sister and grandmother are all naturalized U.S. citizens. And I've spent most of my life in California. Um, and right now, I am uh, working on my Ph.D. in clinical psychology. I am about to finish in about a year. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a and, huge uh, endeavor, by the way. Thank you. It's been a long haul, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's been definitely worth it. Um, and I've, I've been working with um, physically and sexually abused children and adolescents, um, adult victims of rape and domestic violence, and at-risk youth and families with criminal, psychiatric, and substance abuse histories for the past 16 years. So mm. it's um, pretty a, much my focus has been on trauma survivors. Now, Industry, how did you choose this as your focus? Was there something that led up to this? Is, this is your passion, obviously. This is my passion. Um, I've certainly been impacted by having to endure and overcome personal trials in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I've also had some pretty extraordinary family and professional experiences, so... There have been lots of things that have contributed to what I'm doing now. Um, I would say maybe my my sister has had the most incredible impact on my life. Um, she she's my younger sister. She has mm -hmm. cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy. Um, oh wow! And she's in pain most of the time. She can't walk or talk. <sighs> and um, she's yet she's the most joyful and delightful person that I know. Um, and to me, I mean, she's a constant reminder that in the midst of incredible pain and adversity and seeming hopelessness, there can be extraordinary beauty and joy, too. I have chills right now, by the way, because some people sit around complaining about the most minuscule, ridiculous things, mm -hmm. and you're telling me about your sister, who, you oh. know... Oh. Yeah, no, she, she's just... Um, and she's, she's laughing and joyful all the time. I mean, she's truly a blessing. And I, I think, you know, she's really taught me and inspired me a lot. Um, and my parents, too. I mean, my parents have been incredible examples of um, generosity and compassion and perseverance. So in lots of ways, I think my family's taught me that it's my duty to do what I can mm -hmm. uh, to, to care for others. And, that, and also, you know, the incredible women and children and families I've had the um, opportunity to serve along the way as a teacher and a therapist have shown me over and over again that this duty is a privilege. Um, yes. I mean, I, I get to love people. That's my job. 
Oh, that's tremendous. That is yeah. tremendous. So what led up to you doing what you're doing now? Um, well, I, uh, you mean in terms of, of the degree or my nonprofit? Your, non- we haven't, your nonprofit. Your nonprofit. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mention my my nonprofit is Project Satori. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the creator and director, and um, I established it four years ago. Um, it's for providing mental health and trauma care for um, uh, victims of uh, sex trafficking, both domestically and internationally. So it's, um, you know, I think uh, for me, since I've spent most of my time. Um, professionally working with trauma survivors, I knew that I'd be working, I'd be spending my life working with abused women and children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of in my in my degree work, in my dissertation research, I, I was focusing on that. But as I've had time to work um, with impoverished communities, going back to India, uh, and in some sense giving back to my culture and maybe even connecting to a part of myself uh, that I've um, struggled to realize and, and, and attain has also become a value to me. So um, as I really began to research abuses to women and children in India, all roads led to trafficking and sexual slavery um, and the staggering reality that women and children are bought and sold into sexual slavery in 2012, that in the 21st century, human beings are being enslaved and tortured by the millions. And this is, by the way, contributing to billions of dollars in commerce worldwide. Um, Unbelievable. This reality took a hold of me, and it hasn't released its grip, you know, mm-hmm. I've become aware. So, um, for me, the question is not, uh, you know, whether or not I can help or get involved. This is the path that I've chosen for the long term. And in a real sense, I feel like it's, it's chosen me. Yes. Um, but the questions I have now are more to do with, you know, how do I get the urgency of this message out to others and get them involved? And how do I get people to really wake up and see the horror of this reality. Because um, we need to really work together to, to put an end to this. This is it's horrible what women and children are enduring every day. Yeah, we had talked uh, days ago, and, you know, I was really captivated by what you're doing. I mean, this is your passion, and, and a lot of us don't know what's going on. Even, you know, in the United States or Orange County, uh, you know, this is um, something I think people sometimes don't even want to think about. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, well, it's a horrible thing to think about. And I think, you know, certainly there are misconceptions around it. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, the biggest misconception kind of feeds into that idea of, oh, this could never happen to me, or, you know, thank God that this kind of thing doesn't happen in America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the main ha- misconception is that it, it doesn't happen here, but I'm here to say that it does, you know. And, and unfortunately, uh, it's on the rise. Um, human trafficking and sexual and labor-based slavery is happening in the U.S. and in California right now. So, and, and the thing that was truly amazing to me in my research was that this human trafficking pandemic affects every single country in the world. Whether Really? Every single one, whether um, they are origin, portal, or destination countries, um, the entire world is affected. And let me, let me explain a little bit what that means. Yes, please. Um, there are certain, uh, certain countries where girls are are taken, are chosen. Um, so those are origin countries. Um, portal countries are where uh, girls are moved through those countries to, towards other countries, which are destination countries. And destination countries are, are where the girls actually stay and, and are forced to work in brothels. Um, and, and many countries, you know, function, India is one, as origin, portal, and destination countries. Um, so it's 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 truly staggering. The entire world is affected. I was reading that you just got back from India in February, and you were working with sex trafficking survivors in shelters and red light districts. What what is the what is it like doing what you're doing? I mean, do you feel safe? Is it? I mean, you also must feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's a very. Um, I tell you, it's, a, it's truly a, a perspective-altering and life-changing experience. I mean, since I've been back, I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've come back as a different person, and, and I see things, and nothing really looks the same to me because, mm-hmm. you know, I was in the presence of some um, 
I mean, if I were to sit down and try to make up stories about the worst possible things that could be done to a person, I could not have come up with what I listened to in working in w- working with some of these girls. Um, it's just heartbreaking, and it's it's in, um, it's unspeakable, really. I mean, the things that they are made to endure every day, and and mind you, these girls are, are a lot of them trafficked as young as five, six years old. So. Um, when they're babies, when they're little tiny children, they're they're trafficked. And That's horrific. It's just I can't even get my brain around that. Yeah, 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 and and this is part of the reason why I think there is a lot of denial around it because it it is truly difficult to conceptualize. It's truly difficult to uh, wrap your mind around that reality that this is really going on. Do you have this feeling of you just want to grab all these girls and take them home with you? I mean, I mean, aren't are they looking to you saying, "Oh my gosh, help me, get me out of here"? I, you know, I do. I, it, the thing that I was really struck by, and this was something that really, um, it, it, it was truly incredible to me. It, it spoke to me about the human spirit. I was in the presence of of some of the most courageous, resilient, um, incredible. Uh, young women in in Calcutta and in, in in these shelters, it was truly humbling to be there. It was, you know, I think a lot of times we romanticize the idea of of um, doing nonprofit work and and helping others, especially being in a helping profession. Um, I think it's it's oftentimes natural to think, oh, I, I want to save the world. I, well, I mean, I, I per- personally am am a romantic and an idealist, and I've. I've had to learn um, how to keep my feet on the ground along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was struck by was that, that you know, these, these young women are very strong and very, very resilient and intelligent and articulate. And um, I, I learned a great deal from them, you know, and I, and I think I was very honored, um, at, at, you know, to have the opportunity to be in some way a part of their healing process. Can you talk about that, something you, you learned from them? That's interesting. Sure. Um, well, there was uh, one girl in particular who I worked with. Um, she she was trafficked at um, five years old. Um, she was actually sold into <sighs> um, slavery by her parents. Um, she she was. That's the other thing is that a lot of times, um, most of the times, traffickers target the most impoverished communities and village communities in developing countries. So um, she was sold into slavery at six, and she was uh, repeatedly raped and brutalized and tortured, and had been in the life um, for uh, seven years before she was rescued. Oh. And in the midst of some of the most horrifying things. Um, that, as I said, if I, I couldn't have come, come up with it on my own, I, you know, I, I, there's nothing that could compare to what I heard. She uh, took it upon herself. She saw herself as, you know, she was the, the older one among the girls that she, she where she lived, in, in the brothel where she lived. She uh, took the, a lot of them under, under her wing, and she comforted them. And she told me, you know, when I was talking to her, um, I knew that I had to help them because they needed to know how to survive. They needed to know what to do. They needed to know that this is not their fault. I mean, she was like, I, it, was, it was incredible to me. This is um, like a, a 20-year-old in a young body. Yes, yes. And she was, mind you, this was before she was rescued. So she, mm-hmm. was, uh, she was rescued at 13. And um, this, is, this is what she was telling me. She was comforting girls who were um, going through the same things that she was going through. You know, she and she was a, a young, tiny, a small child when when she was trafficked. So there's a wisdom and a courage and a spiritual strength that these girls have. Um, so I think for me, it was it was a, a an incredible experience to be um, in the presence of of these girls. So I, you know, a lot of times we want to have pity or. or um, feel bad for them or, or whatever, but these are incredible girls. I, I mean, these, are, these yes. are extremely strong, resilient, remarkable girls who have had to work, through, you know, go through um, the darkest of, of experiences. How did she get rescued? Who rescued her? Well, um, she actually, there was a police raid um, on one of the brothels, and this is one of the things that, um, this is one of the reasons why I started 
my organization is is um, my my desire is to um, help facilitate trauma care. A lot of the because of the staggering numbers um, of uh, trafficking victims, most of the focus has been um, placed on rescue. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is girls are rescued, but there isn't facility to really care for them um, in terms of trauma care. Um, so a lot of times they're rescued. Um, they're in shelters. They are taught many, you know, some of the better programs in India. I worked with Sunlap India, um, and um, that's a huge organization in India which is doing amazing work and giving girls vocational training and helping them to really get some practical skills so that they have less of a chance of going back to the lifestyle. That's great. Um, she was, uh, so, so they align with the police forces. Police forces in, in India have, have been trained in, in many of the larger cities to recognize the signs of, of, you know, what kinds of things do you see when someone, when you see a girl who potentially is a trafficking victim, how can you recognize those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. So anyway, they, they raided um, her brothel. Um, and she was rescued in one of those raids. Now, mind you, there were there were many the the uh, madams uh, who run the brothels. They they um, they psychologically break and beat and torture these girls before they um, are make them into sex workers who have to entertain customers. So they're taught to lie. They're taught to they, they're given different names. They're mm-hmm. forced into assuming roles. So that when, if ever people do come and question the, the goings on of a brothel, or um, if there ever is police interaction, these girls are—it's a second nature for them to have a complete story in place. Unbelievable. So many times, brothel yeah. raids happen, and or or uh, and and somehow they don't—you know—they don't get caught, rescued, or or the the madams don't get caught, or you know, it's a very very difficult. Uh, rescue and and especially prosecution. These are extremely difficult things um, to to see through because um, trafficking is such an insidious uh, disease, really, and it keeps morphing and changing, uh, and it gets more and more slippery every day. I was going to say they have their own creative way of keeping things going and flourishing in a very sick way. It is. Well, you you have the thing that's extremely. Um, also, something else that was horrifying to me as I as I began to learn more about it, um, it's there's so much money involved. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars in revenue uh, worldwide. So there is corruption on all different levels. And uh, tr- you know, it's, it's not like uh, I wish it was as cut and dried as the movies. You know, um, I wish it was as uh, you know black and white. But unfortunately. Um, and this this one, I couldn't believe this. It, uh, there are many uh, nonprofit organizations in developing countries that advertise as rescue and and rehabilitation oh, organizations. On. It's a front. Is that what you're it's about to front. tell me? Yeah, that's yeah. right. They're fronts, and and they actually turn around and um, I mean, imagine imagine if you were a young girl who had been uh, you know going through this for several years, and you finally think you're rescued. And then you get taken to this storefront, and you, they turn right around and sell you to someone else. Um, and and usually the people who um, get girls from these storefronts are um, higher ups in government. They mm. they're businessmen with high profiles. They're people who um, want to indulge their um, desires and and maintain their uh, image. Oh, incredible. Mm-hmm. It is. How many people go with you when you're 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 traveling like this, you know, into these areas? Well, actually, this last trip was my. I mean, this I I was doing my research um, for my for my dissertation, and um, I'm I'm in the building stages of of my nonprofit. I mean, I mm-hmm. I kind of um, I was very passionate about it, and I started it um, during my PhD program, which was a lot to take on. Yeah, <laughs> so, <I'll say. laughs> so now I'm. Um, Basically, I'm, I'm do everything I'm doing is to give legs to my nonprofit so that I can get. I'm going after bigger funding, um, and really wanting to build it up now. So I my my uh, my work in Calcutta was to um, you know really establish myself and establish um, you know in a in a 
research way and also kind of to build on my research uh, the work that I'm going to be doing for the future. So and on this trip, it was a, it was a real learning trip for me. Um, I worked closely with people from Sunlap India and from the Center for Social Research. These are big organizations in India who have been doing this work for, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, and so this was a time when I got a chance to um, go through, go into to, uh, emergency drop shelters and, and rescue shelters and red light districts and see firsthand what the work is going to entail. And This must have been I shocking. Have more, Excuse me. Okay? I, it must have been shocking at first and, and horrifying. And It was. It was extremely. Um, but I think the interesting thing to me, though, is, that, and that was honestly, to be really, really honest with mm-hmm. you, that was one of the things I wanted to have answered for myself is, you know, as a, as a researcher and as a student and, and as someone who, I mean, it took four years building up to this trip because I really had to put things in place and I had to really um, figure out all of, as many practical details as I could okay. um, as to how I was going to carry all of this out. Um, but, but it's dimensionally different when you're there in person. And I, that's one of the things I wanted to know for myself is here in the midst of it, what is this going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, how is this going to be? And, um, yeah, it was horrifying. It was, it was dark. It was, but, but at the same time, it was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I, I had confirmed for me that this is what I want to do. So now that, you know, now it's just about let's do it. Yes, you know? yes, that's great. We had talked about, I, I told you, because the theme of the show is Get the Funk Out. Did something, you know, happen? Obviously, something happened in your life. And how did you find your your own way out of the funk? Was it because of this, because of your Ph.D., and you found your focus in life? I've certainly experienced, I mean, I've experienced um, lots of difficult things in life. I've experienced the pain of broken relationships. I've gone through traumatic experiences of my own. Mm-hmm. But I guess for me, what I realized, it really doesn't come down to one particular experience, um, but rather the moments in which you persist in love and faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I believe in God. I, I deeply believe that if you can keep moving through dark times with deliberate breaths and steady steps, even if they're small ones, yes. then love will find you. Yes. Um, that's simply what I believe. So I, I look back on darker times in my life and I see that there were moments in prayer, in nature, in conversations in which love found me and brought me through. Mm. So for me, I mean, even though I would never have consciously chosen to go through many of the things that I have, I'm extremely grateful for my experiences because it's taught me, they've taught me how important it is to be present and available because you, you just never know what a person may be going through or why someone has crossed your path or you never know what the impact of a word or a smile or a moment may have because those are the things that got me through. That's um, so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a quick break. We're talking with Indushree Rajan, and you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. Uh, Indushree, we'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm going to talk about our fun drive, and then I want to get back to all the things you're doing, talking more about your organization that you're building, and also uh, what's going on here in the U.S. and Orange County. Terrific. Okay. Great. All right, hang tight. Again, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. We are right in the middle of our fun drive, actually the beginning of our fun drive. It happens twice a year, and it's our time when we come to you to ask for your support. We are a team of volunteers. I don't know if a lot of you know this, but we're a team of students and community members who love doing what we do here at the station. We bring you public affairs programming, music, music and live bands and all kinds of great things. We give tickets away throughout the year. A lot of things going on here. If you're not familiar with all the programming we have to offer, you can visit www.kuci.org. And so we ask for your support. There's all kinds of different levels. They're all tax deductible. For a $35 pledge, you can be a KUCI supporter. And what that means is you can choose a KUCI t-shirt, and we have some great vintage ones, by the way, or a CD or an item listed with a minimum $35 donation, $35 donation, for a $50 pledge, you can be a KUCI sustainer, and at this level, you can choose two KUCI t-shirts or two CDs or one of each or an item listed with a minimum $50 donation. 
There's also a $100 pledge, for, and you can be a KUCI sustainer. We have all these cool names for different levels. So at this level, KUCI sustainer, you can receive any combo of four items, T-shirts or CDs or items listed as minimum $100 donation. And a $200 pledge, you can be a KUCI founder and receive any combo of eight items, so T-shirts, CDs, or any items listed at the minimum $200 donation. And if you want to learn more about all the premiums, we have a lot of KUCI staff members standing by. Some of the DJs you might have heard on the air. I know Sheldon Abbott is here standing by from Cure for the Blues. Hey, Sheldon, wave. (laughs) All right, he's out there. And all you have to do is call 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-5824. Hey, Sheldon, how you doing? And uh, he's going up. He's going to join me for a second. Very cool. Well, of course. Hey, Sheldon. Hi, Janine. How are you? Great. So our fun drive. I'm, I'm, I'm handling the phones out front. We have extra phones, so keep calling, folks. <laughs> and we have a lot of great premiums, don't we? We do. We do. I think we have gift certificates to different things. and CDs galore. I mean, uh, you can go on the uh, site, our website, on KUCI.org and check out the premiums. T-shirts, like Janine said, T-shirts, CDs, concert tickets, all sorts of good things. Very nice. And you just call 949-824-5824. And they can I also do, do it online. <laughs> I like your voice better, though. You oh. my, my, actually, my kids had commented, I like that guy, Sheldon. He's ah. <laughs> got that low voice. We should, we should work together on this. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, and they can do it online. If they go online, they can, we take PayPal, right? If you want a premium, call us. If you if a premium is not important to you and you want to make a donation, a lot of people do, just make donations. We're very uh, glad that they do. You can go to PayPal and make your donation and go under the radar. That's easy. Yeah. But if they call up, they can hear the whole list of things. That's right. We have right. a lot of great things that we have to offer. So. That's right. We'd be happy to help them. Sounds good. All right. And it's going on for the next 10 days. Right. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, popping I'm in. I'm, I'm right outside the door, and I'll come in anytime you throw something at me. All right. <laughs> so if you want to cheer up your Monday, you're having a funky mon- Monday. Call up, talk to Sheldon. He'll get tell the you funk about, out, and we'll take care of you. Sheldon. All right. <laughs> thanks, Sheldon. You bet. All right. All right. Thanks, Sheldon. And uh, we're going to go back to my very special guest, Industry Rajan. Hi, Industry. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Did you catch all that? I did. <laughs> right. Wow, it sounds like a busy time. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, but we love doing what we're doing. I've been here for a while, and uh, we are a team of volunteers, and uh, we, we offer a lot of great programming. So, and, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I really am very moved by what you're doing. I have a doctorate from BU, uh, and I oh. listen to the research you're doing, and I think, oh, my gosh, I did not transport myself into another country, and th- what you're doing is tremendous. Oh well, thank you. I, you know, I'm a believer. I, I, I believe that we're all here for a reason. And um, to me, I feel like real joy happens when you can connect with what that is. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's really my honor to do what I do. So. And if you're like me, I would be, and you're probably, I'm hearing what you're saying. I, I would be listening to all these things that these people are saying that they're so young, and think, oh my gosh, look at how you are in these unbelievable situations and you have such strength and it's almost like just giving you insight into you know how to handle life it's incredible i mean you know and that's that's the thing i mean honestly you know for the first two or three months after i got back from india i went through a bit of a depression and and culture shock um and it it was just that you know there was such a stark contrast um, after I came back, um, because we take everything for granted here. And I mean, right. one of the things that really hit me was we are all, you and I and everyone here in California and Orange County, are lottery winners. <laughs> you know? That's right. I mean, we've won the lottery of life. You know, we talk about not having enough money for Christmas, you know, exactly what we want for Christmas or exactly the kind of car we want or this or that. Um, and I know that I take all, I, I've taken all kinds of things for granted myself. And then, you know, you, you really, when I was in the midst of, of kind of um, all of these incredible stories and in the presence of these incredible girls, um, you realize what, how, life, how precious life really is. Right, and, right. Um, that, that what we take for granted is by no stretch even close to what most of the people in this world get to experience. Are you seeing any happy endings with some of these kids that are rescued, or you, you're not sure what's happening with them? Um, you know, it's, it's 
Um, I do. I mean, the, the, some of the girls that I got to work with, um, there's one girl who, uh, well, I worked, as I said, I worked with Sunlap India. And what Sunlap does is um, they offer a vocational training. So a lot of the girls that are rescued, they, they have choices. They can learn how to do um, embroidery work, tailoring, block printing. Um, they're given the opportunity. They, there's a schoolhouse. Um, on on in the compound on site, um, so they they have volunteer teachers. Um, there's a volunteer dance teacher as well who teaches who teaches dance. So nice. one of the girls there, she's an incredible dancer. She actually gave us a dance performance when we were there, um, and she uh, is about to um, graduate high school, and she wants to become a professional dancer, and and she's gotten. Uh, the organization is getting her help to realize her dream. So, That's fantastic. Um, there are, I mean, certainly um, things that are happening which are very positive. Um, my hope is that, you know, we can, as nonprofit organizations, join together and, and really work to, to weave a tapestry where more of this is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that funding is a big problem, obviously, in developing countries, Trafficking is big because there there are more impoverished communities and the village communities are targeted. Um, so funding and resources are are a big issue, um, and hopefully you know, but but hopefully we can kind of as, as awareness um, and consciousness is raised around the world, we can begin to put more focus on this and uh, change the tide. That would be great. Are yeah. there misconceptions people have about this? Um, yeah, I think the. The biggest misconception is that um, it's happening somewhere over there. Yes. It's not something that affects me directly. It's thank God I live in America. It doesn't happen in America. Um, but but you know, it, unfortunately, as I said earlier, every single country is affected, and um, it's important to know. I think. I, in fact, I, I do have some some numbers for you. Yes. I, I wanted to kind of at least provide um, some information for your listeners so that they have some sense, can get some kind of a frame around what's happening here in the U.S. and in California. Sure, go ahead. Um, well, I wanted to start by kind of um, giving giving some numbers, and also I wanted to address um, how things are being handled politically at state and federal levels, how you can get involved in that way, and also some practical information on how people can be more aware of how trafficking happens, what, how to recognize it, how you can maybe protect and educate your children, too. That would be great. Um, so the biggest issue with trafficking is that um, there's a lack of current comprehensive data and extreme underreporting of incidents is common. But this will just at least give an idea. These are numbers that were collected mostly from uh, in a, between 2005 and 2008. Um, Approximately 250,000 American youth are at risk of becoming victims of commercial sexual exploitation. Um, Typically, female prostitutes in the United States are between 12 and 14 years of age when they enter the sex trade. Mm. Um, Children 12 years of age and older are targeted for sexual exploitation by organized crime units. And um, We back up, by by organized crime units. By organized crime units, yes. Um, in, in, In fact, uh, it's, it's one of the ways, it's one of the revenue streams that has opened up for even uh, bigger gangs and um, for, um, you know, organized crime of various kinds. So, um, as I said, it's, it's being recognized as a big money-making opportunity. So it's that much more protected, that much more difficult to spot, and it's becoming more prevalent you know, in a lot of these underground communities. And I also noticed that you said uh, 85% of girls in the sex trade are HIV positive. That's right, 85%. And then, That's and mind huge. you, these numbers, any number I give you is probably on the lower side because um, accurate uh, data collection is very difficult because this is a migra- migratory population. Um, so... You know, prosecution is very difficult because laws change as you move over borders, um, and awareness is not at nearly at the level that it should be. 
Um, yeah, so, so any numbers I give you are probably under, uh, under what's really true. Mm-hmm. So um, you have around, and, and there was a report that came out, oh, and, and by the way, just to let you know how the U.S. is also part of the international trade, about 14 to 17,000 girls from other countries are trafficked into the U.S. for the purpose of sexual exploitation. And I was going to ask, are there certain areas of the U.S. that are more prevalent, or is it just everywhere? Um, well, actually, that's, that's a good question. Um, the, in, in, the, in a report that was done, there was a national study that was done in 2005-2006, so again, it's now 2012, so the numbers are probably much higher. Um, the uh, areas, uh, typically port and border areas are the ones that tend to flourish in terms of forced labor and sex trade, um, like, like Florida, New York, Texas, and California are big because mm. there are big ports here, and there's a lot of um, international travel. You know, people who come from different countries uh, tend to land up um, on the coast. Sure. So um, that's, you know, so, so our state is, is, is one of the bigger places where this happens. Um, and victims are, were trafficked, you know, that report found that uh, the victims from over 35 countries were trafficked into the U.S., and um, it, it affected 90 different cities in the U.S. That's between huge. 1998 and 2003. So um, in, in terms of one of, and, and this is also one of the things that um, I know that at a state level of government, um, the, People are really trying to get um, um, people to be uh, more aware and get more funding. Um, we get get more funding so that we can actually collect more data from different agencies, from social services, from mental health agencies, so that we can have a better grasp on the numbers. Because that's a long time. There's a long gap there. Um, so I have a quick I, question. Excuse me, one second. So when kids run away from home, let's say. Mm-hmm. Are they, is this what's happening to them? Is this one of the big things that's happening to them? Yeah, well, one of the things I, I wanted to actually go over with you, um, some of the common ways in which kids can be trafficked. Yeah, um, go ahead. It's um, a lot of times now, I mean, human trafficking is being conducted um, over the telephone, over satellite trans- transmissions, through, um, I mean, the Internet, through um, Craigslist. There was a huge, Craigslist was indicted and, and um they they were found that they were ma- they made over thirty six million dollars in illegal sex ads. Oh come on! Um, oh yeah, and they were in in fact in two thousand eight they um, had signed um, an agreement with uh, um, you know that they had signed an agreement and they had said that they were going to they agreed with with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children a joint statement. Uh, they said that they were going to change their ads and and to not you know, to not be a place where this, a platform from which this could happen. But as of 2010, um, they've found that, th- that there's not a whole lot that's changed, that the volume of illegal sex ads on the site, that, that it's still sizable. That's I mean, ridiculous. I, you know, so, yeah. you know, the very common things that we use day-to-day are oftentimes tools that traffickers can use. Um and you know, in terms of how they how they directly approached kids um, in 2008, the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force noted that 30 percent of teenage runaways, 30 percent of teenage runaways in Orange County, mm-hmm. are trafficked into sexual and labor-based slavery. Um, and they're targeted. Girls and women from impoverished communities are targeted, especially illegal immigrants. Um, and a lot of trafficked girl, traffic girls end up in massage parlors, residential brothels, and chiropractic clinics. Um, 30%, that's really incredible. Orange County, huge. yes, it is huge. huge. Yeah, well, and, and here's how it happens. A lot of times, you know, girls are approached with offers for free modeling portfolios, mm-hmm. made promises of a modeling career, um, invitations for acting or dancing auditions, um, help with immigration status. Um, and even, you know, money to help, uh, you know, again, targeting the poor, money to help victims' families um, and such. So um, these are things that, you know, and we live in California, which, of course, everyone wants to make it here. Yes, you know, yes. In the entertainment industry. So there's a big lure. Yes. They know what um, to say. They know the right things to say. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So it, these are things to keep in mind. I mean, you know, having a teenager and, and even having a preteen. I mean, really, the, the thing that's insidious about this is all children are at risk, you know. Yes. Not something where, oh, okay, uh, kids that, that, you know, because sometimes traffickers will abduct kids. Sometimes they will lure and dupe kids. Sometimes they will... You know, so so it's just uh, awareness is very important. I agree. Now, how much can you, I don't know if you can answer this, but how much can you tell your kids without freaking them out and having them be so scared? Well, I think it's more important, again, to to have them be aware and have, have the lines of communication open. Um, I think it's important that they, you know, observe, um, you know, the rules that you set in your home. You know, and, and letting them know that, hey, uh, it's important that, that you're safe. It's important that I know where you are because y- you can't trust everybody, you mm-hmm. know. And it's important that if something unusual happens that you come tell me about it. Yes. You know, so, that, so that I can know what's going on with you. I don't know that kids, you know, obviously it's up to a parent's discretion as to what you want to say in terms of going into the, the details, as I have, mm-hmm. um, about what's going on. But I, I really think it's about awareness and communication. Um, and, 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 and as parents and, and kind of as people who are entrusted in, with the care of children in general, to not be so quick to trust. Yes, um, yes. You know, because we, um, we want to trust people. I think that's, that's a, you know... A big part of human nature is we want to trust. We want to believe the best about people. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's a beautiful thing. But it's also being exploited. Right. And it's, um, it's important to kind of temper that with an understanding that we just want to cover our bases. We want to make sure that we're being mindful and aware and um, practicing safety. I, I always think the idea... You know, it's not to scare your kids, but to make them aware, and as you said, make good choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to be cautious. Without you, don't have to be paranoid, but to be cautious, assess the situation. My friend used to say years ago when I was a teenager, "When in doubt, don't." Mm-hmm. And that right. kind of stuck with me. Right. It's good advice. If you if your gut is telling you, you know, red flag, something's probably wrong. Absolutely, and and you know the thing also is if something is uh, you know seems too good to be true, it probably mm-hmm. is you know, mm-hmm. and and any you know anything that any offer that that somebody makes you you know modeling or this or that, um, you know if it's for real, then it's really gonna, it's going to be there for you. You know, it, it's not going to go away over you wanting to talk about it with your parent or yes. wanting to think about it or whatever. You right. Know? Right. We have about five more minutes. Is there anything you wanted to share? You want to talk about how people can get involved with your nonprofit? Sure. Well, two things I want to share. Um, one is, you know, we're voting tomorrow, um, and there is a proposition that addresses trafficking specifically in California. It's Proposition 35. Okay. And I, I want to urge everybody listening to vote yes on 35. Um, and basically this proposition promises to bring stiffer uh, penalties um, and um, helps to prosecute those who are involved in trafficking in California. That's so great. That's, that's one direct way, immediate way, that your listeners can get involved. Um, the other thing is, yes, I, I would like to briefly talk about Project Satori. Um, as I said, Project Satori is focused on providing uh, trauma care and mental health support for sex trafficking survivors, um, both here domestically and internationally. And the goal is to have services available for um, rape survivors, domestic violence survivors, people. Trafficking touches on many different types of trauma and abuse. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the goal. In terms of how people can get involved, I, at this point, as I said, it's about raising money, uh, raising awareness, getting people to understand the, the magnitude of this issue, and, and understand that this is something that needs to be addressed immediately and with urgency. Um, so I'm looking for people who can help um, in fundraising, who can help, you know, grant writing. If you are a mental health 
professional, if, if you're a mental health uh, graduate student, student you know, who's involved in clinical work and would like to contribute your time, would like to mo- learn more about this issue, I'm going to be um, you know, hiring people to be involved in a long-term basis uh, with my organization in various, in, in various capacities. But the goal is to set up um, clinics here and abroad in which um, survivors can receive mental health and trauma care in, uh, you know, in, for women and children. That's so. fantastic. So what, where should they contact you? Um, they can contact uh, me directly. Um, my, uh, my number is, um, let, me, let me give you my number, it's 714-402-8101. Mm-hmm. And they can also contact me through email, which is lifewriter, L-Y, F as in Frank, E, W-R-Y-T as in Tom, E-R, at AOL.com. That's an interesting email. I was noticing that the other day. Life writer. Life writer, yep. That's, um, I write. Uh, I actually I'm, I do some creative writing. I write poetry and, and fiction. And, and um, I just kind of, that was my, my desire to be a writer of life. I like that. And, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for all you're doing. It's, you know, that's an understatement, thanking you. I mean, it's, what you're doing is tremendous. Tremendous. Well, well thank you for, for making your show available um, so that we could really talk about this issue and encourage people to get involved. Well, it's very powerful. I mean, you're putting yourself out there, and you're going to, you know, other countries, and you're, you're really bringing it to the forefront. So I thank you. Oh, well, well, thank you, Janine. It was a pleasure. And again, I will post this on my blog. If anybody has missed any part of this interview today, it'll be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And Industry, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Terrific. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, that was Industry Rajan. She's a creative director of Project Satori, nonprofit committed to the mental health and trauma care of abused women and children. I'm Janine. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'll be back here next week with more great programming at KUCI. And if you are just tuning in, we are right in the middle of the start of our fun drive here at KUCI. And we have some people standing by to take your calls. We have some fantastic premiums this year, I heard. Different gift certificates from restaurants and different things around the university and the community. Uh, we have KUCI vintage T-shirts, CDs, and a lot, lots more great stuff. So if you want to give us a call, actually, I'll be hanging out at the station for a little while. It's 949-824-5824. And uh, you can also do it online at www.kuci.org. Uh, we accept PayPal. You can send us a check. But again, we love to chat with you, so give us a call, 949-824-5824. Up next, Sheldon Abbott, Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody.